Jeremiah was the weeping prophet in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. By the way, not all the prophets were called a weeping prophet. And I would like to mention to you afresh, we have just gotten through Ezekiel and we're in Daniel now in our family devotions. And I am glad that we've done that because in our reading as a family, different from reading through the Bible individually, I have just, we just got unbelievably mentally bogged down in Ezekiel. And about every time I get through with a half a chapter or a chapter and I tell Bethany or my wife, I said, what did that say? That is far above. I, I, I couldn't begin to, be, to uh, explain it. And it was kind of refreshing when Brother Dormany said they were going through Ezekiel and they bailed out. <laughs> they just had to go to something that was a little bit more discernible. And... Is that not glorious that, that uh, what Matthew Henry said was so true? And the great expositor and the great commentator of the Bible said that the, the uh, Pentateuch and the Gospels, I think he referred also to the Gospels, that's ankle deep. We're talking about water now, ankle deep. And then he said, I guess, the uh, historical books, which would be Acts, of course, in the New Testament, but it would be all the other books, the, you know, tell about David and everything. Um, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, you know, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, those books and so forth. That's about up to your thigh, I guess, or something, your uh, whatever. And then uh, you get to your waist when you get in the, uh, the Psalms and the Proverbs, the poetical books, you're up to your waist. And then when you get to the prophets or the book of the Revelation, you're plumb going under. You're fully swimming in the greatness of God. And boy, Ezekiel is sure in line with the Revelation. And I think, I really believe, though these books should be preached, and they should be preached uh, an adequate amount of time, God put them in the book. In fact, they're called the, the major prophets. And then my wife, this morning, she mentioned Joel. She said, what, what's so, uh, what, what, what is there about Joel? I says, I don't know much about Joel. And she just mentioned that. You know, the prophets are just different. Boy, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, shoo. And um, so when we get to heaven, we can ask all the questions about all those different things in the prophets and so forth. But I want to speak to you on something a little more basic this morning. I want to speak to you on compassion. Compassion, which has a close relationship to the love of God. And so we'll start with this matter of the, the lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. We'll read these together in unison after you stand to your feet at this time, and then we'll read, and then we'll let you 
uh, sit down again. But I think this is a good practice to stand up for the Word of God. Isn't it amazing? We've had many evangelists who have come by who held to that practice as well. It doesn't say you have to do that to be right with God or to have a Spirit-filled message, but I think it's a good practice and nothing wrong with it as long as it's biblical. All right, chap, uh, chapter 3 of Lamentations, verse 22 and verse 23 as we read together in unison. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. A special emphasis on because His compassions fail not. Our Father, we love Thee. We thank Thee for Thy great love for us. And I pray, dear Lord, as we talk about compassion or love or being merciful, being loving and kind, and dear Lord, Thy loving kindness and mercies toward us, I pray that we would see how important these things are today. I thank Thee for burdening Pastor Hammonds to give us these songs on the love of God. How moving that song, the love of God. And then the good message from Brother Metcalf. Thank Thee for giving him his little dream. And then these other evidences that, Lord, you seem like you wanted him to preach on John 3:16 or teach on it, whatever. And we thank Thee for that good lesson from Thy Word. And now, Lord, we pray Thy blessing on the preaching as we believe that, dear Lord, Thou didst direct us to preach on this this morning. May we ever be sensitive to Thy Spirit's leading. May we be willing to change our sermon. Dear Lord, we didn't feel impressed about that at all today. But there are times when, Lord, we feel like we need to uh, preach one thing, and Lord, it seems like the Holy Spirit is directing us somewhere else. And sometimes we don't know where in the world, dear Lord, you're going, but we just love to follow. We pray for help. Bless this morning, and we pray that these Scripture verses would be real to us. And dear Lord, we would be seeking to obey. And these illustrations from the Scripture would be used of Thee as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. I was thinking, as I was thinking of that verse, do our compassions fail? God's don't, but do our compassions toward the lost, lost do they fail? Are we consistent in our soul winning? Whether they accept or reject your gospel track, whether they accept or reject your witness, it is our job to witness. Jesus said, ye are my witnesses. Are we compassionate witnesses? His compassions fail not. His mercies fail not. I'm thinking back to September 9, uh, 9-11, the 9-11 day, September the 11th. And I believe we need to check up, though it's not a bad thing for us to have thought, well, I wonder if God is judging our country or God is judging New York City or God is judging our military in the Pentagon. I think that 
this, there's nothing wrong with thinking things and wondering this and that. I do believe, though, that we need to realize that His compassions fail not. His mercies and compassions, they're new every morning. And we need to deal with compassion on people who have problems, who lose loved ones. Surely there were believers that died there in that 5,000 or whatever, four or 5,000 that died that day. I had friends, and we know not their condition, but surely there were some that were saved and they're in heaven now. If there were some that died in that terrible thing, some missionaries we heard died in the Oklahoma bombing. They were up there trying to get their visas or this or that in the Oklahoma City, and they perished in that bombing. Surely the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and we're to weep with them that do weep, and we're to rejoice with them that do rejoice. I have Bible, friends. And I have Bible that says that we are never to rejoice. Even God does not rejoice really at the calamity of the wicked, but that they turn. And he re, and what does he do? He he is there when the saints perish as well. Compassion, by the way, is to fondle, to love. I think about that hound dog as I was taking him back to my daughter. That dog, everybody ought to experience him at least one day. I put him in the car, in the back seat, shut the door. wasn't a second. He was over the seat. I had to shove him back again. And on and on, and finally, I mean, I'm trying to get over to their house and drive my automobile. And finally, I'm, I'm fondling with the dog. I'm petting the dog. And it's the only thing that saved me. When you're my age, you don't need young dogs around the house. Then we got over there to their house, got the dog in the house, and I never heard such screaming and hollering and the dog going around in circles. and act, I mean, I had taken the leash off. I'm glad he'd have taken my leg with it. And honestly, but you know, the, the dog wanted to be loved and fondled. He wanted some attention. We had him in the backyard quite a while, and we can't spend every minute with him. And you know, uh, we all need love. They, they tell you that if you, if you have a baby, and you'd have the baby, and they told us this in the nursery when I worked in the nursery in the military, there at the uh, uh, the Army and uh, Navy Hospital, I'm saying, on uh, Camp Lejeune for the Marines. And they, they said this one little baby was born out of wedlock. And they said, make sure you spend some time with that child because uh, it was born out of wedlock. And they kind of, you know what they kind of, at that time, they had that child separate from the other ones. Sin does pay, doesn't it? But they say if you have a baby and you give it milk, and you give it uh, milk and change its diaper and so forth, and if you don't do anything else with it, that it'll die. It has to have love. It has to have love. It has to be held some. It has to be cared for some. And so we are like that. Thank God for the love of God. She had it brought in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. To fondle, to love, to find mercy, to have mercy. Compassion means to obtain mercy, to show mercy, to have mercy on be merciful, mercy upon, or to have pity. You need to learn to pity people. 
and to have mercy toward people and to be compassionate toward people and to love people. And I'm going to give you a number of other verses and then I'm going to give you three illustrations and we'll be through, but these three illustrations are three different accounts in the Scripture. You can turn, if you want to, to 2 Kings 4 and then 2 Kings 5. And we'll get to that after I give you these other verses. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for us. No greater love could uh, Jesus have shown than to give his blood, give his soul an offering for our sin, for he had no sin of his own. Then the Bible says, We love him because he first loved us. That's why you love God. Because He first loved you and I. And the Bible says, And the love of God and the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many shall wax cold. We're in this day when people love things rather than God. They love, uh, what, uh, they love themselves rather than other people. And so we're... Uh, The love of many is waxing cold. It's a sign of the times and the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be not lovers of God, but lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, and their love will wax cold. The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and with all thy might. What in the world? Listen. We, we don't have, do what else do we have all these things that tell us how and wh- how we should love God we're to love the Lord our God completely with everything we have all of our being all of our intelligence all of our physical abilities our strength our might everything we have ought to be focused in on our love for him What does it say about the Bible? I didn't even have that one written down. But, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You ought to love the Bible. If David the psalmist loved the Bible, why don't we love the Bible more? The love of many a wax cold in these days. Then the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself in Colossians 5.14. The greatest thing you can ever do in this world is just to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That'll cause you to not avoid His Word. That'll cause you to search the Scriptures. That'll cause you to come to the house of God. You'll be more concerned about God's house than your house. This is the house of the Lord. No wonder it becomes so important to a baby Christian. For it is God's house. We ought to be more concerned about the upkeep of God's house than our house. The beauty of God's house than our house. The heat at at God's house than our house. The air conditioning at God's house than our house. The lighting at at God's house than our house. Have thine own way, Lord. Are you baby Christian and an older Christian? We ought to... If, if Brother Metcalf is right, we ought to love our wife more than we did when we first got married, then we surely ought to love the Lord more. Because what? We're married to Him. He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. 
someone brought up recently that we're going to become the bride. No, we're the bride right now. I don't believe that bunch of junk. Just because the wedding hasn't taken place, it's taken place in my heart. I've been wed to Him. Say the marriage supper hasn't taken place yet. It's taken place in my soul. Amen. When we get, we just, they'll just be in that glorious state. What about those that are already gone on to be with the Lord? So shall we ever be with the Lord, even before He comes. There are some already in Christ who died, and they're already in glory in their spiritual significance. I don't know about putting on a new body and all that. It's in the Bible, and I don't understand it all, but it's going to happen. Amen. He's going to come back with His saints. Reunite their spirit. You think they're just spirits floating around out there, though? I don't know. They might have a... Jesus, as soon as Jesus died and was buried and rose again, he had a, new body. He had a glorified body. He walked right through, right through doors and everything. I mean, even Philip, when he baptized the eunuch, he was caught away. We're, we're serving a miraculous God. I don't understand all about our body and everything. This body, what? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we're, 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 we're with Christ immediately, though. As soon as we die, we're with Him. And then it says in the Revelation, Thou hast left thy first love. The greatest thing you can do is love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the second greatest thing you can do for God is love your neighbor as yourself because you show your love for God as you love your neighbor. By the way, the Bible does say husbands love your wives. And then it says the older women to teach their, teach their children to, and the, the younger women to love their husbands. Isn't that true too? So it's both ways there. Women still need to be taught how to love their husbands. That's biblical too. There's just more emphasis on the fact of husbands love your wives. All right. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The first one is love. I wonder if you have any of the rest of those. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then 1 Corinthians 13 says the greatest of these is charity. Faith. I mean, God gives so much over in the Bible and a whole chapter in Hebrews to the heroes of the faith. And then what does he say? Therefore abides faith. The first one mentioned, faith. Hope. Charity. But the greatest of these is charity. Faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is love. So we ought to spend a lot of time talking about the love of God. We ought to, talk to, we ought to uh, talk, spend a lot of time witnessing to people and tell them how God loved you. And saved you. Redeemed you from your sin. Because the greatest of these is love. 1 John 2, 5 says, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Then the tenth verse, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Do you love the brethren? Do you love 
the Lord like you ought to? Do you love sinners like you ought to? Well, we better check out. This is getting into the new year here. We had a sermon last week or a couple of weeks ago on taking inventory. And then that was one Wednesday, and then the next Wednesday. This is why you shouldn't miss Wednesday night services, by the way. I think one of those was on a different day because Brother Metcalf preached. But anyhow, I think it was Wednesdays. And uh, the next week we talked about having some goals. Some goals. So first of all, we ought to take inventory of our life and find out if you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, goodness. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. I was thinking also that verse over there, there's a time to love. I didn't find it, but over in Ecclesiastes, a time to love. I know it says a time to hate. But see, the Bible doesn't tell you uh, all, the, all the ways you're not supposed to. Well, it goes into it, but not in a, in a list of how you're not supposed to hate. Just don't hate. Hate the devil, hate sin, hate the, the things of the flesh, but the truth of the matter is you love God, and that what? They that love the Lord hate evil. It's just automatic. You hate evil. But boy, the Bible just defines love so much. How we're to love God with all our being. And so may God help us. All right. We said Second Corinthians, uh, Second Kings. So you found your place there, Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, why didn't your husband have insurance? No, that's not in my King, my King James Bible. No, Elisha said unto her, Why didn't your husband have a savings account? That's not in there either. That's what would be said in modern America. Why didn't he provide and set some money aside? I'll tell you why. He feared the Lord and he gave his all for Christ. And that shouldn't even come to our thinking, but that's what comes today. We're so prone toward all kinds of insurances and our assurance is in Christ Jesus the Lord. He that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. By Jesus said, He that layeth up treasures on earth, He said, Lay up treasures in heaven! And that's what this son of the prophets did. He laid it up in heaven. And when he died, by the way, why didn't Elisha uh, save him from death? It was his time to die, that's why. Amen? He sure had, had the power to do it, didn't he? No, he let that prophet die. And then the creditors are coming. He must have owed some people something. He must have not just been broke. He was so broke that he owed people other... He owed people something. And his wife is a widow and she was a faithful one to her husband. And to the Bible and to the Lord God of the Bible. And what does she do? She goes to the man of God. 
the one that her husband was under in reality. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, I don't have anything in my house because my husband was fearing God and honoring God. All I got is a pot of oil. The oil speaks to the Holy Spirit, friend. By the way, oil, there's a great significance in the Bible about these men, these kings being anointed. David was anointed before his brethren. Elisha anointed different ones. Thank God, Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Praise God. Jesus called those twelve and in reality anointed them for the work of the ministry. Called them forth. Here we see, see nothing in, what is the, hast thou in thine house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow. <laughs> borrow? You're already a creditor, woman. Now I'll tell you one thing she said to Elisha. Did you get that before? Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. My husband feared the Lord. And they come to take my two boys away. And if I don't have my two boys, I'm not going to be able to make it at all. For I need my two boys to grow up and take care of me. And the very sustenance she was, she was going broke, she was going under for good this time. If her two sons were taken for bondmen because they owed money, she was out. She, she'd be in poverty of poverty. And so the man of God, he has the right attitude toward this servant's wife, this widow. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. I mean, get, get all you can get. And when thou art come in, thou hast shut thy door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out unto all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. Boy, she was getting excited. Can't you see her inside that house and the boys in the house? Man alive. Everything's all right. The man of God came on the scene and he gave us the right formula for success and for paying our bills, and for sustaining us in the future, today and in the future. And boy, were they excited as they're pouring out this oil. Can you see this dear widow woman? She, she had part in a miracle. For only God could do that. Bring me yet a vessel. And he said, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. It didn't keep pouring out because she didn't. there was nothing else to put it in. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. You say, what, you, what did you read all that for? I want you to know that God's man had compassion on the widow. He wasn't judgmental. He was sympathetic. 
He sympathized with her. He empathized with her. He did it. He just he just felt really emotionally for her, and he gave her the formula from the God of heaven. I want you to know the God of heaven that caused the oil to be poured out cared for the widow too. Amen. Yes, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. Does Jesus care? Oh, he cares. The only trouble is we don't care. We get so wrapped up in our own self and our own problems and we don't do any soul winning anymore. We don't give any precious gospel out. It's the living water, friends. They're, they're going to perish and go to hell. It's the bread of life. They're perishing from hunger and thirst spiritually and we have the bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. He that what? Drinks of me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. He's the living water. What did he say there in the temple? Whosoever is the thirst, let him come and drink of me. There's a song, Never Thirst Again. Praise God, we're going to take a drink of him. Amen. Taste of the Lord and see that he's good. I believe in hell there'll be no water there. We have Luke 16 for that. But I believe there'll be no bread in hell. No bread in hell either. For Jesus said, I am that bread. I am the manna. They're going to be hungering and thirsting in hell forever. For no Jesus in hell. Just the devil, his angels. Well, that's the first one, the great widow. Wasn't she a great widow? She, 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 had, she had all the things right, didn't she? She came to the man of God. When she had a problem, she brought her problem to God. And she said, my husband, you know my husband feared God. What did she mean by that? She said, we fear the Lord in our house. It just happened that we don't have anything. And they're going to take my two boys, and I'm coming and find out what God will do for me. And boy, he said, just get yourself in that house. We're not going to have a big fanfare about this whole thing. You know, they did have, she did have to go and sell the oil, though. Did you know that? There was some involvement. Her sons had to go get the empty vessels. She had to pour it out. They had to go sell the oil. Were they excited as they sold that oil and went and told those creditors and everything? Here's your money we owe you. And I want you to know God provided it. And I hear, I'm, sure that, I'm sure they found out how in the world it was provided for. But there was no fanfare in pouring it out. So all this Pentecostal stuff is a bunch of junk, a lot of it. All this fanfare, come and see miracles. No, blessed is he that doesn't see and yet believes. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but no sign shall be given you. And all these preachers going around, signs, wonders! It's a bunch of foolishness. Stay away from it. Check with brother, our handicapped brother. He went to those meetings and they rushed him right through out somewhere else and he never did get healing for his polio. Go check with our missionary, brother George McDowell. He'll tell you about all these faith healers. I didn't say they were all crooks. Some of them are, are sensitively and really deceived. I believe they really believe and... They're, they're just deceived, but you don't need to get more deceived by following them. Second thing is, I want to get into something else, but we don't have a lot of time. Verse 8, it talks about, And there, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, and there was a, where was a great woman 
And she made a prophet's chamber for this man of God. Here's what she said about him in verse 9. I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber. Let us make a little prophet's chamber and put a candle there and a stool there and a table there so he can rest and a bed there so he can rest as he comes by. And then time went on and Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, he said, is there anything the, the Shunammite, she's been taking so good care of me by providing this prophet's chamber, encouraging her husband to make this prophet's chamber for me. What can we do for her? And Gehazi, he says, he said, she hasn't had any children. And he said, you tell her to come here. You tell her to come here. And he said, about this time next year, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, boy, a, a boy baby. And she said, oh, don't lie to me. She said, oh, don't lie to me. He said, you'll see. <laughs> Within a year, she had a boy baby. But then the twin went on, and he was out there, and his father was working in the field. And the boy, he, he said, my head, my head. And he said, and by, I, I kind of like this, take him to his mother. Mm-hmm. He didn't do like so many of us when our when our boy is sick, you know. I mean, we're in there, we're working. Take him to his mother. Jeremiah said something also when a child was being born to him. It says there when they brought word to him that a child was born. You don't have to be there for all the deliveries of your your child. This is all kind of new to me. I was down there having a hamburger. My wife was witnessing to someone on the corner. That was her time to go through some problems. Now, don't you do that because I said that. Just be more loving than me, please. I'm preaching out love this morning. But you don't have to be in there necessarily to see the delivery either. I didn't say it's a shame for you. to. I just said what Jeremiah said. Okay? Hello? And all this Lamaze thing. Listen, you're going to have pain. That's your problem, girls. We'll pray for you. Amen? But we don't have it, and thank God I don't want it either. i got enough trouble going to work all the time. Having these people call me, and when is the bill coming? I'll pay it. And I don't send them to my wife either. Amen? By His grace and goodness, he's, I've kept her home all the time. She has enough to do at home putting up with me and taking care of me and all our kids. Well, anyhow. He said, take him to his mother. The servant takes him to his mother. By the way, they weren't extremely poor, so they could make that prophet's chamber, but they dedicated their money to God. Takes him to his mother. She sits on his knee or whatever, and she holds him, and he dies right in her arms. Boy, she says, i got to go to the man of God. I didn't ask for this boy, baby. I didn't even ask for him. Maybe I'm sure she probably did in her youth. I'm sure she did in her youth. God answered her prayer way down the line, didn't he? So she says to the man, she says, "You get, send me, sends word to her husband, says, send me a man and send me a, a, a beast that I can ride upon and I'm going to go to the man of God. And he says, this isn't the full moon and it, it's not a Sabbath. Why are you going to the man of God at this time? She said, it, it shall be well. 
It shall be well. Faith speaks. Her name must be Faith. The woman there that was the widow in the first one, I think her name was Trust. Mrs. Trust. This is Mrs. Faith. She gets on the beach. She said, don't slack for me unless I bid you slack. Just go for it. We're going to the man of God. And he sees her, they see her way off and said, it's the Shunammite woman. He said, what in the world is she coming for? And God had not spoken to Elisha yet and told him that there was a problem. But the son had died. So she comes and she grabs the man of God by the feet and, and, and Gehazi says, decides to thrust her away from the man of God. And Elisha said, just leave her alone. God hasn't revealed to me what's going on here. And she said, my son is dead. And I didn't ask you to give me a son. He said, Gehazi, take my staff and you go. Don't you bid anybody anything at all. Don't you greet people with a regular salutation or anything. You go right there and you lay my staff upon his face and I'll, I'll be coming directly because she, she wouldn't let go of the man of God. She hung on to the altar, friends. She said, I'll not leave until God blesses me. I want my boy well. I don't care about anything else. I want my boy well again. And he's dead. He's plumb dead. And I want him to live. Uh, whew, she had faith, didn't she? She didn't go into mourning. She said, it shall be well. The man of God said, is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thee? She said, it is well. That's where we get that song. It is well with my soul. When she got to the feet of the man of God, she said, I've made it. Praise God. The answer will come. And so Elisha goes and he, the Bible says he walks in the house and lays himself upon the sun. I believe this is the place where he sneezes seven times and he comes back to life. That's a wonderful cold to have. <laughs> and that's why, that's why the German people, I think, say Gesundheit. And we say, God bless you. Why in the world would you do that when they're sneezing? Hmm? They do that even in Germany. I believe it's because of the Scriptures. Sneezed seven times and came back to life. Praise God. When the man of God comes on the scene and he presents her son to her again. Oh, I'll tell you. By the way, God blessed her after this too. There's scripture about how he blessed her after this and gave her all. There was a great famine in the land and afterwards Gehazi there got it all back, got all her land back and got all the fruit of the land for the whole seven years of the seven years of famine. I'll tell you, God, when he blesses you, he'll just keep blessing you and blessing you and blessing you if you'll have faith in him. He's able to bring your son back to life and He's able to bring life back to you and sustain you. In the absence of your husband, he probably died. For it speaks of the woman there, not of the husband. Well, we've got a third one. You say, oh, a third one. Yes, we got three. By the way, I want you to know with this woman that Elisha had compassion. Compassion. I tell you, I was thinking about something. We need, we need ministers that have compassion. We should have compassion for the people. We must be long-suffering, patient with the people. We're to be an example of the believer in word and deed. The men of the church, they need to be men full of faith. 
full of trust, and full of compassion. I mean, what did this woman need with her husband dead? She needed someone with compassion, not Gehazi. She needed somebody like Elisha, who had compassion. Well, we've got the third one here. Now Naaman, chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of, of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Bible says there was a little maid, verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife and she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet Elisha, she's who she's talking about, that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send letters to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, now I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mightest, mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, he, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? To kill and to make alive that this man doth uh, send, send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he hath a, he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that King, the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. <laughs> Praise God. The compassion. Here we see the compassion, the concern of Elisha again. But that's not all. There was the concern of the little maid. What's this any her business? She cared for her master. She was just a little captive Israelite girl, but she'd heard about the God of Elisha. She said, Would God my master was down there? He's doing so many miracles down there. I know he would he would heal. Naaman of his leprosy. That's another little girl who's got some faith. If, if you could just get Naaman down there to the man of God, things would, something would happen. I want you to know there's great concern here, great compassion here, great care here. Jesus cares. People are sick. There's a little... Made, she she witnessed the great uh, God's greatness and His compassion. She had compassion. Then the king of Syria, the king of Syria, who was over Naaman, he had enough concern to write letters to the king of Israel. So he cared. He had compassion for Naaman, his chief warrior, his chief captain, 
He didn't want him to die of his leprosy. He wanted him to be healed. He wanted him to be clean. I'm sure Naaman's wife cared for him. And what about the one who took the message as well? Into the king of Syria. There it shows concern and compassion there. And so we see that Elisha had compassion. Well, what would you have had? What would you have had, friend? Oh, that stinking heathen Syrian! That uncircumcised devil! Naaman! He deserves to die of his leprosy! That's not what Elisha's saying. That's not the attitude of Elisha. He was born wrong. He's not with the, the he's not the captain of the host in Judah or Israel. He's the captain of the host down there with the Syrians. I want to know, do you care for black people? If you don't, shame on your soul. If you won't witness to a black man as quickly as you witness to a, a white man, you need your heart changed. I said you need your heart changed. If you won't, if you won't have time for a Samaritan, a half-breed, as much as you do a regular, full-blown white person like you, you've got so much mongrel blood in every one of you white people out there, you don't know what in the world you are hardly. Shame on you for thinking you're the pure race. Most people in this world are not white anyhow. Did you know that? Most people in this world are brown. Did you know that? Well, they're not black either, are they, Brother William? They're brown. Amen? More like your wife. Amen? And like the, what, the Spanish people. Most of the people in the world are brown. Amen? I just soon witnessed to a black man than I would a white man because they listen to me better. I said they listen to me better. Most of the black people had greater respect for me than white people. They listen to my message. Jesus went to the common people for they heard him gladly. I want you. To, I want one person in your thinking. You don't have to raise your hand if 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 you don't get a better response from black people than you do white people. I think I, I think you need to do some more soul with it. They will listen to you. Boy, man. Kind of quiet in here. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I want to know how many black people slammed their door in your face lately. And then you find out how many white people have slammed their door in your face lately. And you're white too. Maybe. Maybe you're not. I don't know what you are. I am. Anyhow. They say I'm Caucasian. I don't know. The Isle of Man and my grandmother, she was British, but she got born in Egypt. It's just that they were traveling through, and so I'm not an Egyptian, but I was born my grandmother was born in Egypt. I said I said that Elisha and the little maid there, the little maid, the little Israelite girl, I didn't even think about this until the Lord just brought it up. The little Israelite girl, she had compassion on a, on a, a, a Syrian. And what? Really, she probably had compassion on someone who, who took over and took her away from her own family. Right? She's the captive. 
Well, I think Elisha, in his compassion for souls and for God, in a way, was kind of colorblind. Now, listen, the Lord either loved black people or He didn't, friend. And I have Bible that He died for all. You say, well, I don't like black people. Well, shame on your wicked soul. You need to get right with God. I said you need to get right with God. I don't like you to be around people to talk stupid like that. Amen? You say, well, they're Spanish people. You know, most of the Mexicans, they're half Spanish and half Indian. Did you know that? They're half. In fact, you go down into Mexico, and the great percentage of those people are they're Indian. They're from the Incas and the Alcas. Aztecs, I mean. I went down. I saw their pyramids when I went down there. I saw those things, whatever they'd made, when I went down with Martin years ago. Well, do you love everybody? Seems like Elisha did. Cared for this man. By the way, we better care for the up-and-outers just like we do the down-and-outers. Because he was an up-and-outer. He had delivered. He was a captain. And yet he was a leper. Amen? Do you have compassion? Will you just just as easily go down like I did as I was newly saved? And I go right down there and skid row and put my arm around some, some dirty black man just as much as a dirty white man. Reeking of alcohol. Well, I'll tell you, if you really get saved, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you kind of you kind of become colorblind. You want to reach everybody for Christ, and you love everybody, Amen. even if your grandparents didn't, and even if they had jokes about those kind of people. Amen. And even if they didn't want to rent to them, and even if they go on and on about well how they they did this and they did that, you can't lump everybody in the same thing. No, you've got to just try to reach everybody you can for the Lord Jesus Christ and try to reach somebody for the Lord. I want you to know Jesus cared. His servants cared. You know what they said to him? The man of God comes out and all he says is go dip seven times in Jordan. He said, isn't the, isn't the you know, this, this sinner, we even should care for people that are filled with pride and charismatics too. He said, I thought he'd come out and call on the name of his Lord. He had it all figured out, didn't he? Elisha. And he said, just go dip in Jordan. Oh, old dirty Jordan. He said, what about the, the rivers up in Syria? They're beautiful rivers. I've seen Jordan. It's dirty, filthy Jordan. But he could have dipped in the others all he wanted, and he'd still come up with his leprosy all over him. That's interesting there. It says when he dipped the seventh time, he went and finally... But he listened to these others. They said, if he'd have told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? He just said, dip seven times. I think these servants cared about their master. I think that Naaman was probably a pretty likable guy. I really think he, even though he was the captain of the host, and he was probably a great commander, I believe there's something about him. They just, they just, uh, they, even though he was different from them in some ways, they just had a compassion for him. And they said, just all you, all you got to do is dip. He said, what can, you, what can you go wrong? And I mean, he went away earlier in a rage. And then it says that his, his men come to him and say, hey, you just better try it out. You've still got leprosy on you. Who knows? It might work. And he, he humbles himself and he goes and he dips seven times. 
And the Bible says he's come up with a, his skin was like a little baby's skin. I, I was thinking about that. I wonder, did he have those rough hands like he had before? For all soldiers and, you know, warriors would have rough hands, wouldn't they? From handling the sword and doing all those things. The Bible says he came up and his skin was just like a little child's skin. I think the Lord wanted everybody to know that he'd really healed them completely. Maybe even took the roughness away from his hands. Who knows? Well, I want to know who you've been weeping over lately. I said, I want to know who you've been weeping over lately because you don't want them to see, you go, see them go to hell. You want to see somebody get saved. And you don't care if they spit on you. Hate you. You're like Jeremiah. You don't care if they put you down in the pit. You love the people. And you, they, they say you, you've fallen away to the others. You are against us. You're, 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 and God said through Jeremiah, don't go down into Egypt and, and give yourself up to the Babylonians earlier. If you go out of the city, they'll, they'll save you. And they said, oh, you're with them. You're, a, you're, a, you're becoming a spy. You're for the enemy. And no, he loved the people. And every time he prophesied what to do, and they didn't do it. <laughs> and they paid. So Jeremiah said, ah, you deserve everything you got. Now I see him weeping all the time, saying, why didn't you listen to me? I was just telling you what God said. Why don't you listen? Where's the compassion? Would they call you the compassionate Christian in 2002? Are you going to be called the compassionate Christian? The loving Christian? Or are you going to say, oh, he's the one who always thinks he's right and no one else is right. Or she's always, she knows more than anybody. Why don't you have the word, boy, isn't she a loving person? Isn't she compassionate? Isn't she a helper? Doesn't she care for people? Listen, I was thinking as I was preparing this message, when you get ready to die, you get real sick and you get ready to die, all your straightness won't mean a thing! I'm not saying you shouldn't be tough and strong and do what's right. I'm not talking about that. I mean when you get real sick and you get ready to die, you want someone to come with some love and compassion and some sweetness in their speech and some comfort. You don't need a lot of other things. You need comfort! I'll tell you, love will always prevail. Compassion. You can be strong and still be compassionate. Wasn't Jeremiah tough? And yet he had compassion. I mean, he preached, he, and he had, yet he had compassion. Gehazi didn't have compassion. He'd seen all those miracles and everything else, and yet Gehazi went after the gold and the silver. He went after Naaman. And what happens? When he comes back, he said, where, where did you go, Naaman? Uh, where did you go, Gehazi? Oh, I didn't go anywhere, liar. He said, didn't my heart go this with you? This is no time to receive gifts. This is a time to rejoice that the man is, is healed and he's, he's got his faith in God now. And he said, the very leprosy that was taken away and healed in Naaman will cleave to you and to your family forever. Generations and generations. I think we ought to run after souls and love souls and go after people. 
Don't you want to win someone in 2002? Won't you want to win a few more than you won in 2001? I say this to be kind, not to be hurtful. I just say this to be kind, not to be hurtful. Please, please don't get upset with me. Just trying to help you because I need a lot of help myself in this area. I wonder how many people won 50 people to the Lord in 2001. You won at least 50 people to the Lord, you think, in 2001. Mm, still waiting. Come on, didn't we get 50? Anybody get 50? You know why we didn't get 50? We didn't ask for 50. That's why we didn't get 50. We didn't ask for 50. If we'd gone after 50, I think we'd have got 51 or 2. Come on now. Hello? Aren't we all such great soul winners? Brother Julian, we're, we need a lot of help, this preacher included. I'm not preaching to you. We've got to go win souls. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. If we were doing it like Brother Godfrey, if Brother Godfrey was here, he'd be raising both of his hands. You know why? Because he's after souls, after souls, after souls, after souls, after souls. And you know something? If we really were the soul winner, we ought to be. Once in a while, we ought to lead about five or ten to the Lord all at one time. The whole family just keep coming in. Have you ever had that happen? I know some of you soul winners have had that happen. They keep coming in the door. Oh, well, you need, oh, you probably need to get saved too. Why don't you sit down? We'll go over this again. Amen. <laughs> have you ever done that? Surely some of you have done that. And boy, before it's through, man, let's, Lord, send another one through the door. Say, oh, they don't really mean it. You don't know whether they mean it or not. Don't you criticize soul winners. We're doing so little. I'm trying to get after us that we do more. Not that we criticize those for who get a false profession. Jesus got false professions too. Did you know that? He said, what did they say? He said, I am that bread, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have no life, no life in you. And he said, many went back and walked no more with him. My Jesus had a bunch of false professors too. They were following him everywhere. And some were following him because of the food, the bread. They went all the way across the water, not because of the miracles even, but because they for their belly. And Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perisheth. I just haven't met too many people lately who are too involved in soul winning. Amen? I haven't met too many people who are weeping over sinners too much, Brother Miller. I think we ought to care. Weren't you so lost? Aren't you glad somebody cared about you? Ah, oh, he's an old drunk. He, he's so grumpy and complain. Oh, Miller, just let him die and go to hell. His attitude, no, someone else said, oh, I think we can save him. I think we can help him. If he saved me, I think somehow God could reach him. Say, oh, he's too dirty. He's done too much sin, and I think the Lord's ready to save that kind. Amen. We're sinned in a bond. Grace did much more abound. I was thinking of Ty McKinney. Pray, please pray for his, his mother. She's got pneumonia. But I was thinking of him this morning. And I was, I was thinking, he might be the only one in your whole crowd there, Ty. It's saved and called to preach. Preach that glorious gospel. But you be that one, son. I said, you be that one. That one preacher in the family. Amen. 
Then when you get over there to Egypt or wherever in the world the Lord sends you, you get up and say, I, I even preached at my church and I wasn't even saved. And then God saved me and I just kept on preaching. Amen. You can tell them all. They better make sure they're saved. Amen? Amen. Oh, I'll tell you. I think it's wonderful to be saved. I think it's wonderful to take that message. Listen, as I said that, I don't think I got 50 this year either, but shame on me. I could have got more. One year in my walk, I had over 200 professed faith in Christ outside of the pulpit. But I was after souls. I was after souls. I was after souls. I said I was after souls. I didn't see anything else. I didn't see color of skin. All I saw is souls for Jesus. I said, I want to win another one. Lord, send another one by. You say, you got false professions. I don't know what I got. I was wound up about the right thing. I was excited about Jesus and how He saved me and He could save the lowest and the filthiest and the, and the most religious. He could save the wealthiest, the poorest. I tell you, I wanted Him to use me to do it, though. I would, I, hey, you know what? When I was in the service center ministry, we won 50 or 60. How many did we win that? Man, I had a bunch of souls, and I, I, I got to the place, you might get to the place where, oh, I don't want someone else to get them. I don't want you to get them, Brother John. I'm going to get them. You ever got to that place? Hmm? I, don't want, uh, I don't want my brother to win this soul. I want to, I want to win this one. Huh? We're all, we're all backward. Oh, I don't want that door. Man, I... Someone just slammed the door in my face. I'll let you take the next three, Brother Estes. Oh, I'll tell you, if we get fired up enough, say, boy, that one didn't care anything about me. And Lord, I pray you'd save them or give me another opportunity, but I'm going to that next one. I'm going to get that next one. I'm going fishing to catch fish. Not to sit out here in the pond for a day and a half and catch nothing. Start the little engine up and let's go up and down. Let's find another place. We want to get some fish in this boat. I'll tell you, have you ever seen anybody too excited about soul winning lately? Well, I'd like to see a few in 2002. And you'll excite this pastor because I've always been excited about soul winning. I've never had to apologize for it. Ever since God saved me, I want to see people being saved. And I get sick of myself and upset with myself if I'm not winning somebody to the Lord. Amen? Well, how are we going to do? I tell you, if you, I've been saying this for 20, 30, 40 years now, 40 years. If you don't pray for compassion, you won't have it. You won't have it continually. You won't have it bubbling over. You won't have it overflowing. You've got to pray for compassion. The devil hates a compassionate soul winner more than a, a saved person who just gets excited once in a while about witnessing. The Lord wants us excited. Ye are my witnesses. Go get them. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And I don't think we're properly, I don't think we're properly following Jesus if we're not seeing someone saved every once in a while. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, that's why you're here. Well, have our soul winning classes and everything and we'll take you out and you can just do like we do and you'll learn how to do it. Amen? How well are we going to do in 2002? Let's have prayer. Our Father, we need compassion. I need compassion. I pray for our people. Dear Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. 
even to come across these Muslims. We've witnessed a few recently, Lord. We went through the witchcraft thing and just that fellow yesterday, pagan. Pagan man. And yet he listened to the gospel. He was respectful. And Lord, that gospel's the that gospel's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And once we were lost and blind like he is, and so we pray for Sean, pray for others. Dear Lord, that we witness to somehow you'd open their eyes. Help us to keep going though. Keep praying. Keep on fire. Our young men, dear Lord, our younger ones are going to be like us. Dear Lord, if we're dead, they're going to be more dead than we are. If they're alive in regard to soul winning and a compassion for the lost, they will get it too. Lord, help us to care as these ones cared about Naaman and as Elisha cared about this widow woman who lost her husband. And then, dear Lord, as the man of God, Elisha cared about the great woman whose son was brought back to life. Help us to be compassionate. Compassionate in our hearts. 